Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me is Charles W. Punkin Bryant. Yeah, doing his cheeks. That's how you know I'm in the hizzy. That's that's <laughs> twice right there, Coolio. Uh-huh. This is double good luck. Okay. Well, good. Then this should probably be a uh, pretty good podcast. Which means we are doomed. Yes. Josh, before we get going, can I uh, just mention a little TV show coming up? Uh, the Road to Punkin' Chunkin'. And Pumpkin Chunkin' itself. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. And that, Josh, is uh, Thanksgiving night. If you're bored after your turkey on the Science Channel. Uh-huh. Starting at, at 8, 8, 8 Eastern Time, right? Yeah. So, uh, insert clever intro. Chuck, have you ever been a hostage? Um, uh, no. Nor have I. I would remember that, I think. <laughs> I'll bet you would. Yeah. Have you ever seen Inside Man? Uh, no. Was that, which one was that? Uh, Denzel. No, I didn't see that. Clive Owen? I wanted to. Dude, that is... Is it? In my opinion, I haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon, but I think it's the greatest hostage movie ever made. You haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon? No, Chuck, I'm not 70 like you. Oh, I forgot that they burned all the copies in 1985 <laughs> when you were born. In the great uh, fire started by <laughs> Al Pacino! <laughs> hoo Dog Day Afternoon was gold. You should check it out. I will check it out. A, you know, a hundred-year-old movie. No, I'm sure it's good. That was Pacino at his prime. Sure. Yeah, before he just went absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Neither one of us has been a hostage. Or but, seen each other's movies. Right. But, no, we've both seen war games. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, but, uh, I can imagine that if either one of us were a hostage, mm-hmm. there would be a hostage negotiator outside. Right. I, I would be dead pretty soon, I think, if I were a hostage. As a, a pizza delivery person could have delivered that, that segue better than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In 30 minutes or less. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Josh, let's talk about hostage negotiation. I can't say that word. Negotiations. Negotiations. (laughs) Yes, chocolates. It is, uh, there's a few things going on. Usually the hostage taker is, uh, want something. They want money or they want to free their, uh, brothers that are political prisoners Mm -hmm. or, um, they want safe passage or something like that. Right. Or they want, you know, some country to stop some policy it has, you know. And uh, usually the target of the hostage shaker is not the hostage, but some other third party. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we'll get, we'll get to the exception on that. Okay, good. And I, was, I was chomping at the bit right I there. I know. Uh, finally, they are, uh, hostages are usually only bargaining chips that have symbolic value. Right. So like, those, for those example, the, uh, the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich. Yes. Uh, the hostages there had some serious symbolic value. They were, um, Israeli athletes. Yep. And, uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of terrorists? Well, the target was the Israeli government, clearly not the athletes. They were the pawn, the symbolic pawn. Much like in the 1972 Olympics in Munich, the hostage crisis that happened there over, what, a 24 hour period. Sure. Um, a bunch of uh, Palestinian terrorists took uh, some Israeli athletes hostage, and they were targeting Israel. Yeah. So these were very symbolic pawns, I guess, as you'd put them. Right. Did you see Munich? Did you see oh, Munich? God, that's a good movie. Yeah, man, that's a good one. Uh, and so, Josh, now we can move on to the phases of a hostage situation. Okay. Uh, the initial phase. So, Chuck, yes. All right, let's let's dramatize this a little bit. Okay. The initial phase. Yeah. We're just a group of people hanging out in, say, a bank. 
Sure. We'll do a bank. Sure. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of guys come through the door, kicking off what's known as... The initial phase. Right, like you said already. <laughs> right? And what's the initial phase, Chuck? It is a initial uh, stage of panic and uh, violence Usually, where they yeah. subdue the hostages, and uh, it's it's very um, chaotic. So during the initial phase, they come in, everybody get on the floor. Right? Right. And then they bar the doors, and sure. uh, the initial phase is very brief. Right. Did you like my machine gun? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Uh, then comes the negotiation phase. And that's when uh, Johnny Law comes on the scene, and that's generally called the standoff phase. Right, and this is almost always the longest phase of a hostage situation. Yeah, this is when all the negotiation is taking place. This which is when we'll get to. they send in pizza boxes with little cameras, right. and people are, have to pee, and sure. uh, the the negotiator saying, if there's a pregnant woman in there, let her out, that right, kind right, of stuff. Right. Right? This is when people have to pee? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. And then the final phase is the, the termination phase, and uh, you got a f- few different results that can happen here. Um, either the hostage takers surrender and they're arrested, or the police uh, kind of mount an assault and kill them or arrest them, mm-hmm. or their demands are granted and they get away. Uh, yeah, and the second one is actually what happened, actually a combination of uh, two and three is what happened in, in Munich, uh, as anybody who's seen the movie knows. Um, the West German police are like, we can't take these guys. We need to let them think that they're actually going to escape and get them to the airport. Right. All the hostages were killed along with a pilot and a police officer. Uh, and uh, the rest of the um, the hostage takers, the Palestinian terrorists, uh, were killed except for three who were captured. Right. And it was a bloodbath, basically. Well, I thought they were hunted down later. Isn't that what Munich was about? The people who engineered it oh, okay. were supposedly hunted down later by the Mossad. Right, Eric Bana. Yes, who is just clearly Mossad material. Yeah, the yeah. Australian Mossad. Uh. Um, so, yeah, those are the three phases. And um, during the second phase is when the uh, negotiator comes on the scene. Right, and... Um, if you've ever seen the movie Nego- The Negotiator, you're clearly disappointed. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but there was uh, something that is uh, uh, very characteristic of hostage negotiation, and that is it's a very important point that the hostage negotiator not be the uh, lead commander on the scene. Right. And why, Chuck? Well, because um, – well, for a couple of reasons. One is that the negotiator doesn't need to be multitasking right then. They need to have all their focus – on talking to and talking down the hostage taker. That's one reason. That's part of it. They also, um, one of one of the great tactics that uh, hostage negotiators use is um, to stall, and they prolong the situation. That seems like the main tactic. Right. It's just to buy time. One of the one of the tactics they use to create that tactic um, is to say, well, I can't make that call. I've got to talk to somebody else. Um, and if it's common knowledge that the hostage negotiator actually is commanding the scene, then that doesn't really work. Right. They'll say, uh, well, you can pull the trigger on that because you're the boss. Exactly. And they're like, no, 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 don't use that phrase. Right. That's in every movie. Every single hostage movie is that scene where they go, well, I just can't give you a 747 full of uh, gold bars, dude. i got to get clearance from Fort Knox, and that's going to take at least a day. (laughs) So you might want to lower your demands, which is actually another reason they stall is to try and chip away at the um, the demands. Right. So the, the negotiator's on the scene, and he's trying to prolong the situation. Like you said, um, they're trying to lessen the demands. They're also, um, by, they also stall and prolong the situation by um, 
getting the hostage takers to focus on some minute and really unimportant details. Yeah, I like this. They try to derail them. So like the 747, what kind of 747 do you want? Does right. it, is it okay if it was built before 1998? Right. Because we've got some that are built after that, but then they have this seating arrangement. Sure. That might be a problem for you. And, and all of a sudden you're distracting the hostage taker from the crisis at hand. Right. And, and he's on, thinking sure. about what kind of 747 yeah, he, he exactly. wants, you know? I could just see the, the guy putting his hand over the thing and going, what kind of plane do we want? He's asking about seat configurations. I have no idea. Right, exactly. So all of a sudden they hang up, and then you've bought some time. Right, and, and not only um, it, not every hostage taker wants a 747, but this can also be applied to uh, even more minute details, like what do you want on your pizza? You know, Well, I mean, do you really want bell pepper? Because you're getting onion already, and sometimes it's too crunchy. I imagine there's a point where if you're talking to a hostage taker and you try the bell pepper onion combo Mm -hmm. to stall, they're going to pick up on what you're doing. Or if they've read this article or ever ever seen a hostage movie. Sure, that's another good point. Then they would probably be wise to say, well, it sounds to me like you're trying to buy some time here. Right. Bang. Bang, indeed. Uh, which is what the hostage negotiator does not want to happen. No, that's number two on their list. One is to prolong it, and uh, while while they're prolonging it, we should mention that they're uh, trying to get information, as much information as possible on who the person is, uh, how many there are, what frame of mind they're in, right. if they're unstable, if they're violent, um, any kind of clue that can that can help them out. Right, because a, uh, a hostage negotiator is going to talk differently. They're not going to try that bell pepper onion thing right. on like a very cool, calculated Clive Owens type. No. But it, they it might on somebody that. who's like just out of his mind crazy because sure. his wife is leaving him. Right. Which is actually the most common hostage situation is a uh, domestic dispute that's turned into some guy with a gun barricading he and his family right. in their home. Yeah, you usually think of the big movie scenario with uh, some foreign enemy taking all these people hostage, but it's usually just a, a, a regular old domestic scene, and, and the worst ones, man, the worst ones are those you see on the news where you see some dude's got a baby acting as a human shield. Who does that? You've never seen that? No. Oh, man, it's, it's the worst. Watch some of those cop shows. Those true crime shows. A baby as a human shield? Yeah, Do they have like a it. gun to the baby's These guys, head? it's like the dad is out of his mind and uh, on drugs or something, and he'll have his baby, and it's just it's the worst thing in the world to watch unfold. Wow. Very disturbing. I'll bet. In fact, don't go see that, Josh. Okay. That'll keep you up at night. I bet it will. So uh, that is the, the most common type of thing is domestic. Uh, but back to the safety of the hostages. That's number two on the list of the negotiators to keep everyone in there alive. Right. I would think it'd technically be number one. Well, prolonging the situation, I think, leads to number one, so it's, they're kind of tied. Right. So um, what you want to do if you're a negotiator and you are chipping away at demands, first of all, you're trying to get the 747 out the window or the gold bars from Fort Knox. Sure. But you're really trying to get to the heart of what what does this guy want? He wants a 747 and he wants gold bars. Well, he wants to escape mm-hmm. and he wants some money. Right. So maybe it can be dealt with on a lesser level. But first, right. let's get you some food in there. But to get you some food, I need a hostage. You right. want to get as many hostages out as possible. Number one, to ensure the safety of the hostages, as you said. Right. But number two, for if it, when when an assault comes, if it does come, there's a lot fewer hostages in there that the police need to not shoot. Right. You know. Plus the hostage. Did you just say this? The hostage can turn if they release someone who's like ill or pregnant. They can give them information, insider mm-hmm. information. Right. Like even to create an even uh, more distinct psychological profile, that kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I like the fact that you were talking about the um, lessening the demands. 
like, uh, we can't get you a 747 in gold bars. And it really, I could see that throwing the hostage taker into a tizzy if all of a sudden they have to decide, well, will you take a helicopter and a cashier's check? That kind of thing. Right, yeah, well, actually, I hadn't thought of it before, but yes, (laughs) yes, I will. Way to go. Will you endorse it beforehand? (laughs) Right, yeah. Let's go to the bank. Oh, I'm in a bank. Awesome, yes. Bring (laughs) me that cashier's check, please. So uh, number three on their list is uh, to keep everything calm. You don't want to upset a hostage uh, taker. No. You want to keep everything nice and chill. Especially following the initial phase, that initial assault. The guy's all jacked up on like adrenaline. Sure. He's a little crazy. All of a sudden, it's starting to sink in. If he accidentally took hostages, it's starting to sink in like, oh, my God, I'm, I am a hostage taker now. Right. This is a little nuts. Right. So you want to keep the guy calm or the guys or the gals calm, especially if it was a, uh, a Beider-Meinhof experiment. <laughs> No idea what that is. Uh, it's actually the um, there's a movie out called the the Bader Meinhof Complex, I think. Really, uh, and they actually introduced terrorism to the Western world. Wow. It was a group of Germans. Look at you, German radicals. Is Kevin Spacey basically in it? bored kids that really? introduced things like skyjacking and wow. stuff like that? They were crazy, crazy. Uh, so, Josh, the uh, the fourth thing, and this was my favorite one actually. One of the goals of the hostage negotiator is to. Um, Get the hostage taker and the hostages to work together to give them some task where they have to interact, like yeah. uh, delivering the pizza. So send out um, your your uh, most agreeable hostage mm-hmm. to, uh, that you trust the most to get the pizza and bring it in. So all of a sudden the hostage taker has to talk to the hostages mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, we need you to go and get the pizza because we can't go within the the sniper range." And the more you get them interacting, the more chance that the hostage taker sees the hostage as a human. Right. Instead there, of just blindfolding them and putting them in the corner. Right, or and shooting them in the head. Well, yeah, that too. There was uh, actually a, a very famous case of that. In 1975, some hostage takers took over um, a subway train or a train in Holland, mm-hmm. and uh, a guy named Robert de Groot was about to be executed, Chuck, and apparently they allowed him to pray first, yeah. and they heard him praying for his wife and children, and it got them so bad that they just couldn't execute the guy. So they actually fake executed him. Right. Uh, the standoff continued, and when it came time to execute more hostages, they didn't give him a chance to pray and just actually executed him. Yeah, and I'm sure they pushed him off the train, and he rolled down the hill and like faked like, like he was dead. Right. And I'm sure the rest of the hostages were like, thanks, Bob. Yeah, right. The group. Now we don't even, not only can we not pray, but we're getting a bullet in the head. Yeah, and I was thinking about that. Like, this is, you feel so removed from it. The weird thing about being a hostage is, like, no one plans on being a hostage. It just happens all of a sudden. Sure. And imagine dying on a train on some track in Holland by being executed by some hostage taker during a standoff. What a crap way to die. I know. You're right on the money there, brother. Yeah. So, Chuck, I think uh, I think it's pretty damn pretentious of us to have not brought up Stockholm Syndrome yet, don't you? Yeah, go ahead. Identifying with your captor. Yeah, it actually uh, came out of a bank robbery in, I think, 1980 or 81 uh-huh. um, in Stockholm, uh, appropriately enough. And uh, this, this bank robber's plan just kind of went to crap. And I've been, like, using pseudo-bad words all day. It's stupid. Weird. This bank robber's plan kind of went to pot. Uh-huh. And uh, all of a sudden, he was a hostage taker, right? Well, this standoff continued, and uh, strangely enough, the hostages started helping him. They were serving as lookouts. They were giving him advice on how to escape and right. how to deal with the negotiator and all that. And 
that's kind of odd if you think about it. So why would why would people suffer this what they call Stockholm syndrome? Well, there's a lot of uh, psychological reasons for it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, defense mechanism, uh, coping coping uh, type of thing. Well, yeah, if you feel powerless in a situation like that, you go to whoever has the power, and when you're a hostage, your hostage taker has the power. Yeah, and the other thing it mentioned, too, is that if you're not killed and there are other hostages are killed, you feel such a sense of relief that can actually morph into sympathy. It's kind of like, uh, remember, we did the brainwashing uh, yeah, podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Good one. Thanks. Uh, you want to talk about countries and uh, some famous... Uh, non-negotiating countries. Yeah. Do you remember the 80s? It was like planes were getting hijacked everywhere, yeah, all over the place. Uh-huh. Badr-Meinhof. Yes. The, the United States, uh, Russia, and Israel are all very well known for having a non-negotiating policy with uh, hostage takers and terrorists. Uh, France had the opposite. It didn't work out for him, though. No, it didn't. France became uh, very quickly a target um, for hostage taking. Because France would apparently be like, what do you want? Ha, ha, ha. Right. <laughs> and apparently sometimes, and this doesn't surprise me, the uh, countries that refuse, quote unquote, refuse to negotiate, mm-hmm. there might be some secret negotiations that happen that they never let out because that would destroy their front that they won't negotiate. Right. And France also apparently had a little problem with um, forming agreements with hostage takers. And then the hostage takers would break the agreements, which is crazy. Can you believe it? What a bunch of louse. So there is a there is an equilibrium. Chuck loves equilibrium. But there is an equilibrium between not negotiating at all and over-negotiating. Right. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's kind of like negotiating on the down low and never talking about it. Right. And then hunting the people down who did this and murdering them. Right. <laughs> so, Chuck, let's talk about what happens when you just absolutely refuse to negotiate, as we've seen actually in the 21st century, sadly enough, twice in Russia. Yeah, a couple of uh, famous occurrences there with uh, the Muslim uh, Chechen separatists. Mm-hmm. In 2002, they took over a theater in Russia, threatened to blow it up, and so the Russians go in and... Under they, who? Uh, who was it? Putin, you think? Oh, okay. The guy who wrestles tigers with his shirt off in front of news cameras? <laughs> right. Don't you? Doesn't that bear his hallmark? Yeah, they decide to storm the theater and uh, send in some knockout gas instead of negotiating, and they ended up killing all, I don't know if it was all of them, but 129 hostages died. 129 from the knockout gas. From the knockout gas. That's not knockout gas, that's death gas. I think that's what you mean by knockout. I don't think so, They no. just don't want to call it death gas. Maybe so. I'm, my eyes are open now because I didn't right. realize that was a euphemism. Uh, the other one, Josh, was really, really sad. I remember this one well. Yeah, me too. In '04, when the same uh, Chechen separatist invaded an elementary school with guns and bombs and uh, locked themselves up in a gym, and uh, Ref- uh, Russia would not negotiate, and 300 of the hostages were killed. Yeah. That was awful. And half of them were kids. Yeah. When they blew up the gymnasium. Yeah, it was terrible. Listen up, Putin. Yeah, but you maintain your toughness. Right, yeah. We're not going to negotiate. Just kill the kids. Yeah. Okay, so Chuck, you you, you okay there? Yeah, I'm good. A little riled up, but I'm good. Let's talk about a hostage uh, situation that actually went relatively well, at least compared to um, Russia. Yeah, go ahead and hit it. I know what you're going to talk about. Well, there is a uh, very famous incident at Prince's Gate. 
uh, in London in April 1980. Uh-huh. Um, members of the Democratic Revolutionary Movement for the Liberation of Arabistan. They might want to change that name. It's, it's not a, even it's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, Arabistan is an Iranian province, uh, and the group wanted to liberate it, clearly. Sure. Um, and they were Democrats, I guess. Maybe. But there were, tw- they were uh, I think, 20 of them, and they took – no, there were six of them. And they took 26 hostages right. at the U.S. Embassy in London yeah. at Prince's Gate. Yeah. So there was a, uh, a standoff that lasted quite a while. Um, the hostage negotiator did this by the book, uh, kept the uh, hostage takers focused on details like what kind of food do you want, that kind of thing. Right. Um, I'm thinking Thai. Yeah. Maybe. I'm in the mood for Thai. <laughs> I could go for a nice um, curry buna. Yeah, that sounds good. That's Indian, though. That's good stuff, by the way, if you've ever had it. <laughs> I'll try it. Um, they actually did execute one hostage, but the other hostages apparently reported that yeah. this guy um, decided to get into a debate over uh, Islam with Iranian terrorists, Yeah, which you I'm, don't do in a hostage yeah, situation. Keep so your mouth shut if you're a hostage. The uh, negotiator actually did manage to get the release of uh, two ill hostages. Um, maybe one of them was pregnant. Sometimes right. we replace ill with pregnant, which I don't understand. And they got info from them. Yeah. And so basically uh, the one thing that really wasn't by the book was that the um, the SAS got the, which is the special forces in Great Britain. Yeah, they're bad, dude. They are bad. Uh, I have a friend who's in that. Really? Yeah. I can't say his name here. Okay. Um, they uh, got the hostage negotiator to talk to the um, hostage takers on the phone right before the assault, knowing the assault was coming as a distraction. Right. That you, doesn't happen much. Not usually. And why? Because they don't let the negotiator in on this kind of information because they think that they would compromise the job just through maybe even inflection or tone of their voice. They would give it away. Right. Well, I mean, on purpose, of course. No, no, certainly not. Yeah. Um, very few hostage negotiators experience Stockholm Syndrome, I imagine. <laughs> That'd be a bad negotiator. Yeah, definitely. They just mentally crumble at the first sure. sign of trouble. <laughs> uh, but this, it actually paid off. The hostage negotiator kept the, the um, lead guy away from right. the window, and the SAS stormed the building. Boom. Two tap, I imagine, five of the guys and arrest the six. Yep, not bad. And yeah. I think they only lost one other hostage. Uh, out which, of the 26, which is not bad. No, but I mean, if you storm a building yeah. in a hostage situation, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, that guy lost his life and another guy lost his life. Right. But it's like, yeah, but that's actually a really good percentage, I would imagine. Sure. I mean, I wonder what, the, well, I, I would guess the uh, 2004 Russian standoff is probably a bit as bad as it can get. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, one thing we mentioned there that I thought was pretty interesting was you mentioned the Stockholm Syndrome, but... That is actually a tactic that the negotiator will use, sort of, sort of a good cop, bad cop thing. Uh, they'll get on the phone or what, however they're communicating and say, yeah, you know, I actually, they'll try and relate to them. I kind of see where you're coming from. I understand this police captain does not understand where you're coming right, from. Yeah. And he wants to mow you down. Right. So talk to me, man, yeah. and we'll work it out between us. Chuck, you would make would an t- excellent <laughs> hostage negotiator. I just realized that. I wish I had a hostage I could give to you right now. <laughs> that was good. Oh, I'd just offer you a six-pack and you'd throw down your gun. It's <laughs> all over. Pretty much in some smokes. But uh, that's a pretty cool uh, trick there. I like that. Yeah, of course, just, again, this is straight out of the movie. So if any hostage taker has ever seen any of these films, and they should be one step ahead of the negotiator. I would think so. I would think so, too. Um, there's another... Um, 
example of not going by the book that I wanted to uh, mention. What's that? Uh, in, in 1975, the U.S. consulate in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, um, there was one. there was a hostage situation. And uh, apparently the Japanese Red Army, or members of the Japanese Red Army, um, attacked the consulate and took hostages. So the, the terrorists actually called the uh, the authorities to tell them that they had the hostages and right. some junior officer at the at, at at the embassy elsewhere in the embassy picked up the phone and from that point on for the rest of the standoff they wouldn't talk to anybody else but this junior officer wow yeah who was not a trained hostage negotiator <laughs> and it's just sure. like oh god well he probably has an earwig in the other Mondays. ear <laughs> right well no there was a, a negotiator on the scene like coaching right. uh coaching the junior officer but yeah yeah i also saw in the article where there's um there's always a second a secondary negotiator on yeah. hand because sometimes they freeze yeah, sure because you're basically improving. you got to be quick on your feet and if all of a sudden you're going ah <laughs> you need someone to step in and say tell them that we'll send them pizza that first one sounded exactly like kevin spacey in the negotiator yeah, i didn't see that <laughs> Wasn't there some stupid twist where he was, in fact, the in on it or something? Who I don't remember. I blocked it out of my memory. Right. There, that might have been spoiler. Of course, you're supposed to say spoiler beforehand, but whatever. Yeah, well, we are uh, pretty much done here with hostage negotiation. We're going to leave a whole section untouched on becoming a hostage negotiator. Sure. You can find that in the article, uh, How Hostage Negotiation Works. You can type in hostage, I imagine, on the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Which means it's time for listener mail. No, no, Josh. No. Not today. Okay. Uh, no listener mail. We're going to do a little Kiva update, like we are wont to do. Okay. So you want to go ahead and give the plug? Yeah, man. We uh, started a Kiva team, kiva.org, uh, K-I-V-A.org, is a micro-lending website, a socially responsible one, which means you don't make any interest on your loans. But you can loan as little as 25 bucks to people in developing countries. And now the U.S. Sure. Um, uh, entrepreneurs who are trying to become self-sufficient through their businesses. Uh, they're little tiny loans that make a huge difference elsewhere in the in the world. Indeed. Uh, and uh, we are kicking bottom on this. We are, man. And I'm proud of the Stuff You Should Know Army because you guys are responding. And this is really, really cool. We challenged the Colbert Report, <laughs> or I like to call it the Colbert Report. Yes. And we actually made a video where we chastised them. Yeah, which you probably never see, but just know well, this. If you, watch, uh, if you watch the Colbert Report, scoff while you watch it. Right. Thinking of <laughs> Chuck and I and the Stuff You Should Know Army. People have responded in a big way, and it's going great, and hopefully the Colbert Report will take notice, because that will make even more money for Kiva, and it might get us on his show. Chuck is just chomping at the bit to get on his show. So, well, yeah, if you want to join the Stuff You Should Know uh, Kiva team, please do. Please do. Um, you can go to www.kiva.org slash team slash Stuff You Should Know, and that will take you right there. Uh, plus, there's a pretty picture of Chuck on there. Yeah, me and Emily, actually. It's a picture of, uh, we have, you know, she's on my team. I was talking about our picture. Oh, no, no, no. On the member page, though, if you're curious of what my wife and I look like yeah. together, yeah. then you can surf through the member page. And Good looking find couple. It. Is that the one that's your uh, screensaver on your iPhone, too? Yeah, it's, it's one of the best pictures Pretty. I have of us. It's very nice. Thank you. Uh, and how about the blogs real quick? Yeah, we both uh, run a blog, and I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i been a lazy with it lately. I'm going to get back on off the schneid. Um, you can access the blog on the blogs page, uh-huh. which you can find on the right side of the howstuffworks.com. Uh, 
homepage. Right. I just barely spit that out. So that's where you can find it. Yeah. Go interact. Uh, yes, go interact. It's a pretty cool blog. We like it a lot. Uh, if you have an email, or if your name is Aisha Tyler and you have never listened this far before in a podcast, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?